Holy Ghost, I stand in the office of an abolitionist today. Thank you for my home. Anybody else here thanking God for their home? Thank you for my home. Thank you for this house where you've blessed me and grown me and taught me and disciplined me and given me wisdom and shown me love and shown me acceptance with all my imperfections. Thank you for this house. Thank you for our home. We love you. We thank you that you've planted us in this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your care and your provision for us in providing us with this amazing home. We give you praise. Somebody give Jesus another hand clap in the house right here. You may be seated. All that we learn is taken apart at the cross. in your heart All of my days were wrapped in grace from the start We've been covered by a kiss by a God who simply lives for us Grace to the rescue Making me an innocent man Grace to the rescue
covered by a kiss by a god who simply lives for us. We've been covered by a kiss by a god who simply lives for us. We've been covered by a kiss by a god who simply lives for us. <laughs> Come on, give Jesus another clap, somebody. I'm excited here. That's a song written by our hymnist, Noel Corley. It's the title track of my new album, and it's just amazing. My first album in 20 years. And because of this new season in my life, God said, no, you know... Uh, it's it's a sale that I've given you to minister in song and uh, and so recorded that album you can buy that this morning uh, produced by my son which is an extra blessing Uh, it's amazing just uh, this May had the privilege of ministering for Pastor Joseph Prince in Singapore and in one day um, I sold 1,700 albums in one day there so so it seems to be blessing it seems to be blessing. And all the money uh, from the album goes to starving children, my own. Uh, so I just let that pause there. Some, did he hear the, oh, bless him. <laughs> it's great to be home. It's great to be home. Oh, can we give the Lord Jesus another clap for this house right here? I've got a word from God. Are you ready to be taught this morning? Come on, are you ready to be taught here? I want to talk to you about growing in grace in the local church. Uh, And uh, when I finish this morning, I hope that you have a greater understanding of what it means to be part of a wonderful local church like this one. Uh, What I'm sharing with you is not my ideas, not my preference. So don't get mad at me. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says about how God gets the best out of us. And it's not, uh, we've got no uh, choice in this matter. Uh, The church is not a social club. It's not like where a couple of guys debate, well, shall we do this? No, the standard, the plumb line, God's plumb line is his word. When I was a decorator, the first piece of wallpaper that went up had to be hung with a plumb, like a weight with a rope, little string on it, and you hang it down the wall, and you make a little mark, and the first piece of paper is hung against the plumb line. When the first piece of paper is hung against the plumb line, you know without a shadow of a doubt, every other piece is going to go up straight. God's word is his plumb line. You don't, we don't live our lives or build our churches based on what we think. God is not who we think he is. God is who he, he says he is. Can I hear an amen here? And um, I, I want to talk to you about growing in grace through the local church. And let me explain this to you. Um, there is no other way to grow in grace 
the way that God has designed it. Now, there are obviously incidents where people are unable to get to a local church or whatever, but that's the exception rather than the rule, okay? So, um, uh, before I get into it, um, I, I was reading this scripture, Luke chapter 12, verse 27. I haven't got this one up here. Luke chapter 12, verse 27 um, and, and, and uh, I, God just gave me a, a fresh revelation to introduce this message to you. Consider the lilies, how they grow. Everybody say, how they grow. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. In other words, there's no stress involved here. Uh, yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, three phrases that got hold of me here. F the first one is consider. Jesus says consider. The word is a strong word. It's not just give it a fleeting thought. It means revolve in your mind. It means meditate on, give it serious thought. So consider the lilies. The second one, the word that came out to me was how. He said, I want you to consider how they grow not what they produce. I don't want you to focus on the product. I want you to focus on the process. Consider the lilies. Everybody say, how? And the, the next phrase was, toil or spin. Uh, Jesus says, when you build your life based on the principles of seed time and harvest, when you build your life based on how I desire to grow you, um, you, you th there'll be no stress in it. They neither toil nor spin. They just produce. Why? Because the flower and the seed and the soil, they just submit themselves to God's laws. Not law in a negative sense. The law of gravity is a law. The law of seed time and harvest. In other words, it works all the time. Are you still with me here? So, God, so Jesus has considered the lilies, how they grow. Because if you understand how they grow, you will understand how I grow you. And he says, sanctification, becoming holy, growing as a Christian, um, actually flows from rest. It doesn't, and Dave has been talking about the rest of God. There is no struggle if we submit to the principles of God in the area of growth. Then there'll be no stress. There'll be no beating yourself up. They neither toil nor spin, and yet they produce this amazing beauty. Come on, somebody say amen here. There's a message in there just by itself, but that's just by way of introduction. God is after fruitfulness in our lives. And I want to show you that the local church is God's chosen environment to produce spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. This is not just a building or a place where, listen, the local church has been designed by God. It's the environment where God produces spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. Without it, then you will not mature in the way that God wants you to mature. The local church is God's spiritual soil designed to bring the best out in us. Can I hear an amen here? You see, harvest doesn't just happen. 
whether it's in the natural or in the spiritual, harvest doesn't just happen. For every harvest, there is a seed. For every harvest in our lives, there has to be a seed. Now watch this, because this is so powerful. The recognition and release of ministries in the church doesn't just happen. God implements principles within the local church that determine the release of potential and the making of a man or woman of God in the house. There are, for instance, we have the principle of, of faithfulness. God says, if you're not faithful in small things, then how can I trust you with big things? So there is a principle here. If you're not faithful in small things, God will not entrust you with big things. There's the principle of servanthood. It's, it's upside down in the kingdom. Jesus said the first will be last, and the last will be first. If we don't apply, if we don't submit ourselves to these principles, then we will not grow as Christians. And, and we will not bear the fruit that God desires for us to bear. Then there's, there's the principle of radical love. You, you, you see, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. If, if we relied on our feelings, then we would be out of relationship with more people than in relationship with people. No, when it comes to the kingdom of God, love is a choice. The feelings follow the choice. It's a principle. Love one another just like I have loved you. It's a principle. If we don't submit to that principle, then we will not grow. It's not what I'm saying. It's what God has designed. It's the environment. If you're still with me, say amen. And one of those principles, which is so powerful, if we understand it, and I don't think we've understood it in the sense of personal growth, <clears throat> is the principle of seed time and harvest. I'm going to read from John chapter 12, a well-known scripture, but God gave me just some amazing revelation here. If you still really say, I'm with you, Ray. John 12, verse 20, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover because they were having problems with the economy. Uh, that was a joke. Celebration, paid a visit to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, they said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together uh, to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, watch this, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Now right here, Jesus is launching into a revelation uh, that if we understand it in, in the light of a personal growth in the local church, it'll change your life. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, when I read that scripture, you see on the platform here, I've got, I've got the finished product. That's what God's after. But we don't start like this, do we? You see, every one of us starts like this. Now, the picture is on the packet. When, you see, God, God's already taken the picture. Okay? But in order for the picture 
to become a reality, something has to happen. The, the seeds have to be taken out, and they're very small here. You can't see them. They're very, very small. Isn't it amazing? One little seed. I got about 30 on my hand already. One little seed can produce this. The power of seed time and harvest. So in order for the picture on the packet to become the finished product, the seed has to be taken out, planted in the soil, okay? The illustration is very, very simple. Many Christians remain like this. I'll show you why. You see, there are a number of principles. Many, many, sadly, will return to God as a half packet of seeds because of untapped potential in areas of their lives, for whatever reason, they didn't submit to the process necessary to produce this. If you're still with me, say, yeah. And there are a number of principles uh, to get from this to this. But let, let's see. Are you, are you ready for this here? Now watch this. Let's see if I can get through this. Um, the first principle I've called devotion. Everybody say devotion. John chapter 12, verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil, planted in the soil, and dies, it will remain alone. So God says, if I want to get that to that, the first principle that needs to be involved in the seed's life is devotion. When the seed is planted in the soil, it's devoted to the soil. It's planted. You see, these seeds are placed, but that seed has been planted. Now watch this. This is so powerful. Jesus said, if a seed doesn't get devoted to the soil, it will remain alone. Isolated, uninvolved, independent. It will remain unproductive. No matter how much potential is in that seed, no matter what the picture is on the packet, unless the seed becomes devoted to the soil, it will remain unproductive. For the potential of the seed to be released, it has to get involved and interact with the environment God has designed for that to happen. Are you still here? And the environment that God has designed for a seed to release its potential is, is soil. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, talking about seed time and, and harvest, he said, the soil produces of itself. When you plant a seed in your garden, you don't go up and speak to the soil, you better get this right. You better hurry up. No, the soil has been designed by God to produce the fruit. Come on, somebody say amen here. So the seed has to get devoted to the soil in order for the potential in the seed to be released. Say, right? What is that going to do with the local church? I'm so glad you asked. The one thing that stands between potential and fruitfulness is soil. 
That's the natural. If you want to return to God empty of seed and full of fruit, soil is the crucial element. What is the soil that we need to interact with, get involved with, sow our lives into, get devoted to, in order for that potential to be released? Matthew chapter 13 verse 31 says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. He said, this is how it works. You want to see how my kingdom works? Well, in order for the seed to release its potential, the first thing it has to do is to be devoted to the soil. It's got to be planted. When a seed is planted, it's devoted. It's committed. It's in. This seed is just placed here. And it'll stay there and produce nothing. Look at this one. Here's the one. This will make sense to everything I'm trying to say here. Psalm 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Here we go. Those who are, come on somebody, planted, shout it out. (coughs) Those who are planted, devoted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Why? Because the local church is God's environment for us seeds to release our potential. Come on, somebody say amen here. You know, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Listen, I am not there yet. They shall bear fruit, Colwyn. They shall bear fruit. They shall bear fruit in their old age. Some young, some young people come to me, right? I'm preaching in churches. I'm 66 years of age. Some 20-year-olds come to me, says, Pastor Ray, you know what? To see somebody like you on fire and so passionate, you know what? It gives us such encouragement and hope that the older you get, you don't have to get bitter and dead and lethargic. And what is it then? What is it? It's getting planted in the house of the Lord. That's why I'm telling you when I travel all over the world, I'm planted here. That's why God is blessing the ministry. That's why I'm flourishing in that area. It's because of this principle. Oh man, devoting. You know, all right, here it is. And I'll read the scripture later. Watch this. What happened when 3,000 people got saved? When 3,000 seeds turned up? They devoted themselves. Come on. They devoted themselves. Hey, I haven't seen you in church for three weeks. None of that. Oh, come on, you'll be all right. None of that. Well, we better follow them up for a month. None of that. Why? Because when you're truly born again, when you truly have the life of Jesus within you, come hell or high water, family may reject you, they may persecute you, people may come against you, but you will still be going. You can't help yourself. They devoted themselves. And it's our responsibility as seeds in the kingdom to plant ourselves into a local church. 
Devoting your life to Christ and his kingdom and his church is the key to the release of potential. Financially, creatively, personally, domestically, relationally. Come on, somebody say amen here. And it's our responsibility to plant ourselves in a local church, not place yourself. There are too many whales. Wake up to this principle. Too many Christians are placing themselves in a church instead of planting themselves in a church. That's how you will remain. You'll produce nothing, bless nobody. You've got to get planted. And it's your responsibility to plant yourself in a local church, not place yourself for the seed to release its potential. It has to be planted, not placed. Now watch this. When you got saved, God graced you with the ability to plant yourself. If you place yourself on the surface of a local church... Your attendance is surface. Your commitment is surface. Your giving is surface. Watch this. Then the wind of preference. The wind of relational offense. The wind of a better option. The wind of satanic deception will blow you away and you're no good to anybody. Come on, somebody say amen in this house right here. I'm preaching as I'm very happy here. Because this is the passion of my heart. The human heart is designed for four things. Now watch this. I'm not saying this. God is. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what background you're from. We all have one thing in common. And that's a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. That's it. God placed it in there, okay? And, and if God created you, if he created your body, soul, and spirit, then he is the only one that knows what makes you tick. He's the only one that will know how you can live a contented life. And there are four, there are four things designed by God in the human heart that can only be satisfied by God. Here's, here's the first thing. The first thing the human heart craves is unconditional love. You won't get that from any human being. No matter how wonderful your wife and your, and your husband and your dog and your parrot, I'm telling you now, no human being or no thing can satisfy that Aching in your heart for unconditional love, only Jesus Christ can do that. The second thing, the second thing the human heart is designed to receive and can't live without is significance. Who am I? Why am I? Where am I? How do I fit in? Why is it the biggest form of death amongst under 21s in Europe is suicide. Why? Because no one has able, is able on a human level to satisfy the need for significance. 
Well, I'll tell you somebody who can. His name is Jesus, and he's the only one that can give you significance. He's the only one that can satisfy the image problem. The third one, oh, I'm preaching myself happy. Oh, man. Listen, you, you may have to lock your kids up in the freezer for a bit. Come on, I've got to get this out. Is that, is that okay, Pastor Dave? Got to get this out here. The third thing that God has placed in the human heart and only he can satisfy is transcendence. That's a big word for Welsh people. English people may have a little bit of an edge on us. But listen, uh, so, 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 and if we're going to Merthyr, forget it. Uh, li- listen, listen, transcendence. So I, I, I've, I've, I've replaced that word with worship. The human heart wants to worship. God has designed it that way. Why do you think uh, some, some, some guy over in Papua New Guinea who've never seen anything or done or read a book or seen a TV, suddenly we get a piece of wood, carve a bird out of it, and fall down and worship that? Why is that? Because God has placed it in the heart. Why is it that people crave for more money? Why is it that people crave for more sex? Why is it that people crave for more fame? Why is, why is that? Because they're trying to satisfy their need for worship, something bigger than themselves. Listen, listen, God has designed your heart in such a way that only Jesus Christ can satisfy that need for transcendence. And the fourth area in your life is community. God said it's not good for man to be alone. We crave community. That's why Satan isolates people with depression and claustrophobia and fear. Why? Because he knows, man, if I can isolate them with this stuff, then I can break them off from one of the needs of their heart, and that is community. But I've come to tell you right now that the only one that can satisfy your need for community is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Can you give Jesus some praise in this house right here? Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Now then, God gave me this revelation, right? And then I thought, wow, how the Scriptures fit together. Watch this. Only Jesus and His church can satisfy those four needs in your life. Having all your dreams realized will not do that. The local pub won't do it. Your 17 girlfriends won't do that. A homosexual lifestyle won't do that. A heterosexual lifestyle won't do that. Being a zookeeper, I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Won't do that. But you know what? Watch this now. Only Jesus and his church. Say, what do you say? Oh, man, listen to this. Look at this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. In other words, you're not going to be contented. You're not going to be fulfilled unless you come through me to my dad. Watch this. The four, the four needs. I am. That's the name of God. God says, what do you need? I am it. 
And the only description of God in the New Testament where it describes his whole character in its essence is this. God is love. Didn't say God is wrath, although he is. Didn't say God is holy, although he is. God is. Come on, God is. Jesus says, I am. The only one that can satisfy the human heart for unconditional love is the I am. Jesus says, I am the way. Transcendence. Worship. He says, you want to worship? You you want that need for worship in your heart? I'm the way. You can worship God the Father through me. I am the way. I am the truth. What does that mean? Well, that satisfies our need for significance. You want to know the truth about yourself? You want to know the truth about your world? You want to know the truth about where you came from, why you are here, and where you're going? Jesus stands up and says, Buddha is not the way. Mohammed is not the truth. Mary is not the truth. I am the truth. He didn't say, he didn't say, I am a truth. No, no, that's what separates Jesus from all the other religious leaders. No, no, they say, we we can tell you the truth. Jesus said, no, no, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth. And what was the, the fourth need? Community, community. He says, I'm the life. I'm the life. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me, I'll come in, watch, and I'll eat with you and you with me. We'll have communion. Four driving forces, unconditional love, transcendence of worship, significance, and community can only be met in a relationship with Jesus. And I tell you what, you may never have given your life to Jesus. Well, that's fine. But I tell you what, you go search. Like I did for many years. You go to bed with questions and emptiness and stuff going on. And you don't know. And what? Listen, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy. I'll give you the rest. Come on, give Jesus some praise in this house. I'm preaching myself very happy here. So Jesus... A relationship with Jesus is the only way you're going to satisfy those four driving forces. Watch this. Now, that is also the truth about the church. That's why people who don't attend a local church, who just come and go as they please, that's why some of them are the most miserable people you'll ever meet. Because God has designed some soil where those needs are met. Oh, listen to this. Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, watch this, and all the believers devoted themselves. So they got planted, right? They were in place. They got involved. They devoted themselves, watch this, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of the Lord's Supper and to prayer. There are the four needs met right there. In the church, it's, it's not just enough to give your life to Jesus. Now you've got to move with his designed environment to continually satisfy those needs. They devoted themselves. Watch this. Right, what's the first need of the human heart? Come on, shout it out if you're listening. Yeah, you're right. Shout it out. Unconditional love. Okay. They devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. 
Every time we break bread here, do you know what God's declaring? I love you in spite of you. Every time we break bread here, it's a declaration of the unconditional love of God. The communion table is not a place of judgment. It's a place of blessing and a declaration that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the local church is a place where the unconditional love need is met when you break bread. Okay, what's the next one? Significance. Okay, how is that met in the church? Watch this. And they devoted themselves to prayer. No, did I say significance? Sorry, yeah, I'm away. Significance, watch this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Week after week when Pastor Dave stands up here to preach the word of God, you know what? God is giving you significance. He's meeting the need in your heart. What do I do right now? How do I respond to this person rather than murder them? How do I... How do I deal with my finances? How do I deal with my marital relationships? How do I deal? Listen, significance is found in the house of God and the house of God alone. Through the teaching, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the third one? Transcendence. And they, they, they devoted themselves to prayer and worship. And what was the fourth one? Come on, you've already got it. You've already got it. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Come on, man. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap in this house because he's answered all four needs. Not giving praise in this house. So devotion. Are you still here? Devotion. Devotion getting planted in the soil of the local church is the only way you're going to have those needs met in your life. If you choose to place yourself in a church rather than plant yourself, then you will live an uncontented Christian life. You'll be saved and you'll go to heaven, but you'll live in hell till you get there. I just thought I'd show that in there. Okay, the second principle. Are you okay? Are you okay here? I'm going. Is death... First one, devotion. Second one, death. It says in uh, it, it says in, in verse twenty four, unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, one of the once the seed is planted and buried and devoted to the soil, what is the process the seed has to go through in order to produce the desired harvest? Firstly, it has to die. Now I'm not saying this; God is saying it. Once you're planted in the local church, then you die. <laughs> well, I think... Shut up. Well, I know the Bible says that, but shut your gob. Well, they would shut up and die, all right? Come on, give praise to Jesus. Just shut up and die. Well, I don't agree with what Dave said. Shut your mouth. Suck it up. He's not going to say, do you think he's God? 
Do you think everything that comes out of Dave's mouth is absolute, perfectly, undeniable? You must be joking. Out of mind, possibly, but not his. <laughs> no, none of us, man. We are imperfect. But listen, God has placed us in this office. We didn't choose it. We didn't desire it. It is God's plan for the local church. Just shut up and die, for God's sake. The church is not a supermarket where fruit is displayed. It's a field where fruit is grown. The church is not the soil designed to glorify yourself, but to give yourself. And I've seen it here, gifted people thinking they're somebody. I call them... Dave Edwards, his dad, John, preached a great message called The Birds. Uh, it's brilliant. I've nicked it. I preach it all over the world. And I, and, I, and I say the Holy Ghost gave it to me. I didn't say John gave it to me. But he needs to be humble. That man needs to be humble. And he, he talks about one bird, the cuckoo. You know what a cuckoo does? It doesn't build a nest. The cuckoo lays its egg in an already established nest. And then becomes big. Look at me. Look how good I am. Look how influential I am. And people say, wow, you're a great leader. You're a great preacher. Da, 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 da. And it gets really big and then kicks all the other ones out. Cuckoos. I love it, John. Flipping cuckoos. That's all they are. And you know what? You can recognize them. I mean, they give themselves away. Because when all the doves are cooing, Cuckoo. You stand out, don't you? <laughs> the soil of the local church is wonderful environment to die to self-interest. Personal agenda and sometimes even personal comfort. Before fruitfulness comes death. Come on, somebody say amen here. Okay, I, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It may be, a, I may go on a bit a bit longer, but are you okay for time here? The, the kids are fine. I, I'll try and get through. Okay, here's the third one. The third one is darkness. Everybody say darkness. Before the seed produces, it not only has to experience death, watch, but endure the darkness of the soil. Something's going on. When a seed is planted, something's going on out of sight. But it doesn't mean... Something's not going on. The darkness of obscurity. Here's where many don't see their full potential released. They dig up the seed before it has time to produce. Look at the process in the Apostle Paul's life. In Acts chapter 9 when he got saved. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. You see, the first thing at his conversion, he died and he was planted in the local church. 
Watch this. Here's the process. Acts 9, 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And they didn't believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him. And, and, and so he was with them in Jerusalem, coming in and coming out. You see, the next stage, the darkness of, the, of, of you know, after his conversion, he, 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 would just, he, he was planted in the local church. Now the next stage, Acts 9.20, watch this. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists and so on and so on. And they tried to kill him. And so, and so they sent him to Tarsus. They sent Paul to Tarsus. Paul was in Tarsus for 14 years and the church grew without him. No one is indispensable. Come on, somebody say amen. Nobody's indispensable here. I used to love it. I used to, well, in the, like last September when we transitioned, I, I'd ring Dave up and I'd say, Dave, how are things going? Oh, they're going great, Pastor. Do you know, lots of people are coming back since you left, Pastor. <laughs> he meant it in a good way. He meant it in a really good way. But you know what? Hey, listen, folks. I wasn't upset by that. I wasn't. No, man. It, it just shows you that God doesn't build his church around any personality or any person. Come on. He grows the church. He grows the church. And watch this. So for 14 years, Paul was hidden in the soil. But God was doing something. And watch this. Acts 13. Barnabas departed to seek Saul. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and names them all. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, they said, now then, now then, now then, whap. Separate me, Saul and Barnabas, to the work that I call now. Watch this. Paul submitted to the process. Listen to me, young men, young women, or any of you who feel you have a call of God on your life. You have to submit to the process designed by God in the local church. If you want a successful ministry or calling. Are you here? Paul was probably more gifted than any one of those teachers in Antioch. But he wasn't a cuckoo. He didn't say, look at me, man. I, don't, I, don't, I should preach more. I got a great gift of preaching. That spirit stinks. And you know what? It's, it's defying the process. I'm going to say this because this is so powerful. Paul didn't leave the church at Antioch through impatience, arrogance, or selfishness. He was sent. And I'm going to make this declaration. I don't care whether it's in Newport or whatever. If any ministry has not been sent from here, they are not of us. They may have attended the church for 20 years. But if they leave and they are not sent, then they've just aborted something re regarding their destiny. And I'm not saying it. It's a principle in Scripture because I've seen it again. Even though Paul was more gifted than all of them, I've seen gifted people in this church that I've trained 
that I've loved, that I've invested my time into, leave because they couldn't have priority in this house. Well, bye-bye. It's heartbreaking, not just for me, but for them. And they set up something. I've unofficially set up seven churches in Newport. Unofficially. And they remain small, insignificant groups. Influencing no one. Why? Because the leader decided they were better and needed more exposure and they weren't seen. And so they left instead of being sent. I'm standing in my apostolic role here now. This is not Ray Bevan, the nice guy. This is, this is a, a, the, God placed this church here. And we, uh, why do you think I've got to be sent? Some of you that were here last September when, we, uh, when, when Dave and Faye were set into this house, I made, God said, not only are you setting in a son, but the church is sending out a father. And if I left because of any reason, then the anointing of God would not be strong on my life. I realize I have to be sent because it's a biblical principle. Somebody say amen here. And in fact, in fact, you know, I'm not naming names, but I'm declaring a principle. Anyone who, any leader who leaves this church because they want a higher profile, has not been sent. And they can criticize this man here, they can criticize me, but I'm telling you something right, right, it's a smokescreen. Because it makes no difference whether, whether, you know, it's not our opinion, it's not what we feel like, it's the word of God, folks. It's the soil of the local church. Somebody say amen here. I've seen gifted people leave here, set up ministries based on ego and arrogance. They leave to set up a ministry instead of being sent, instead of submitting to local church ministry principles. They get filled with pride and self-interest, and they set up something, listen, God is never in. And they end up using the people that follow them as fodder for their own ego. Amen. Oh, I got that. Are you happy now? I got that out of my system. Well, I, I, I'm nearly through. I got tired. Of, man, time has gone. But I'll just, I'll just do, I'll just do, I'll just round this up. David, okay, a couple of minutes. I, I'll just round this up. I know the kids are out there, but it's fine. The freezer is fine. They're Okay. I haven't got time to go. There's one, there's one, there's another important principle. It's, it's, okay, the first one's, what's the first one? Devotion. Second one, death. Third one is drainage. Unless this plant gets the right water, then if I, if I fed this plant acidic water, it would die. For years, the church has produced inedible fruit and stunted growth because of poor drainage. She's been fed the acidic law-based water instead of the life-giving gospel of the grace of God. 
water that has produced a self a harvest of self-righteous performance-based judgmental Pharisees of which I was one, but thank God, because of the grace of God, I am now in recovery. Come on, somebody say amen. The first thing you say when you go to AA is, hello, my name is Ray Bevan, and I'm an alcoholic, okay? Well, it's the same thing in the, uh, in the, uh, in the PA, Pharisees Anonymous. You go there, and you stand up, and I'm number one candidate. Hello, my name is Ray Bevan, and I am a Pharisee, but I am a recovering one. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. All because of the grace of God. Listen, the only food provided by God to satisfy us and produce growth is the grace of God. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say, grow in law. It always says, grow in grace. The biggest need for the church is proper drainage. There's been a drought in Wales for years. The sheep are malnourished and weak. Christian fruitfulness is insipid and distasteful because it's not been watered with the gospel of the grace of God. <laughs> but I hear a sound coming down from the hills of heaven. It's a grace-filled ditches, furrows filled with the life-giving waters of the gospel of the grace of God. Local churches that were once barren wastelands are now seeing the grass grow. The sheep are being satisfied with heaven's rich vegetation. Our Christian roots are now bursting with the life-producing fruit, energizing water of the grace of God. Come on, somebody, say amen in this house right here. Man, time is gone. Musicians just come. Ah, man. I'll just throw this out while they come. The church has been fed stones instead of bread, snakes instead of fish, scorpions instead of eggs. Didn't Jesus say, what father of you, if your son asks you if you're a bread, you're going to give him a stone? Or a fish, you give him a scorpion? Give him a snake. I mean, Jesus, and for too long, you know, you know, for years, God's people have been stoned from the pulpit. Not stoned, but stoned. Instead of the bread of grace, the manna from heaven, they've been beaten, bruised by stones of law and judgment. Jesus said, man, you don't go to your dad asking him for bread and he gives you a stone. You don't ask him for fish and he gives you a snake. For years, the church has been poisoned by the snake venom. Instead of sustained by fish. They say fish is one of the healthiest foods you can have. Law-based preaching is criminal. It not only robs you of health, of food, but it'll fill your heart with the venom of Phariseeism. No, he doesn't give you a scorpion for an egg. A scorpion is subtle. It's sting, it's in its tail. Law-based preaching is the same. There's a sting in its tail. Hey, God loves you, but... You're, you're saved, uh, but... Oh, God forgave you of your past sins, but... Scorpion-based preaching has a sting in its butt. Our Father doesn't feed us scorpions. He doesn't feed us 
He doesn't feed us scorpions, or will you save, but he doesn't feed us scorpions of judgment and condemnation and insecurity. No, he gives us eggs. I mean, whether you like them boiled, scrambled, omeletted, poached, fried. Man, how many of you know the grace of God can meet every single one of our needs? Give praise to Jesus in this house right here. Now give him praise! Just stand with me right now very quickly. Have you enjoyed the word today? I love preaching home. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully, okay? Don't be deceived by people who just set up a ministry. Go to them and say, have you been sent? What soil have you been sent from? And if they come up with, walk away. For your own safety, walk away. And I'm speaking from 25 years of experience here. Are you still here? If you want, if you want to grow as a Christian in the grace of God and be fruitful, listen to me. It may not be this house, but find a house where you can get planted in. And then check how that house was planted. My life is too important to go messing about with it. Do you know what? From experience, I'll tell you this. I know God planted this house 25 years ago. And it's here after persecution and trial and slander and all the stuff. It's still here producing fruit that's changing Wales and the world. Telling you, right? And this couple here, this couple here, this couple here. You may be able to preach better than Dave. You may be be able to organize better than Faye. So what? You've been placed in this house to serve this couple. You, 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 You come here not with an opinion, but with a funeral eulogy. You just die. You serve. I've done it all my life. All my life. You serve. You die. You serve. That's how you grow. And I'm telling you something. This couple have been sent. They've had many an opportunity to leave. And let me say this to you. If I had chosen someone else to lead this house, the first people to line up to say, how can we do to serve, would be this couple right here. That's why they are where they are. (laughs) 